Hello, everyone. This is Jeremy Poole, your host of the Mission Possible Life podcast, and this is episode six. This is part two of when mental walls become physical ones. If you remember on the last episode, part one of this two-part series, I really discussed the individual perspective of what I went through while I was locked up and you know, this year for me is, is really about discovering and really exploring the impacts of incarceration that it still has on my life. Because most of the times it was brought to my awareness that like I, I really talk about life as the early stages. Don't really didn't really get too in depth with the ins and outs of what I went through. And then really it's all like the recovery, come home from prison, found myself in a community. But on this episode, it's really about the family members because when when any of us get locked up, it does take a toll on the people that we call our loved ones. And what is that like? You know, healing, a journey of healing has really helped me see and understand that my choices don't only impact me as an individual, but they impact those that are in my immediate circle and then the ripple effect of how it impacts the larger collective as a whole. And today, this episode is really about like the family members. I, I talk very often about, you know, my experiences with my father and how, you know, some of the things that I experienced or my interpretations of my experience really painted a picture of life for me at that time. And it's it's really not fair to demonize this man because it's not that's not what I'm ever trying to get across. My dad has always been somebody that's you know I idolize and put on a pedestal for his wisdom and the way that he shows up in life. Even though again, like the way that he show, showed up, coming and living in America and him coming from a, a complete different culture, a complete different cultural understanding of families and what it means to be family like my dad has always instilled the value of family and what it means to honor your responsibility towards your family looking at today's episode it's really going to look at my understanding through my healing lens and my healing journey what it was like and what they had to go through being the individuals they are you know i i never put in context until recently just reading a book that that I I suggest any impacted formerly impacted individual of incarceration should read Shaka Senghor he has uh both letters to my letter to the sons of society and then he has also the book writing my wrongs and and in those books he really explains like the impact of what it means for our families you know he put it so poetically in his writing about what it was like for his father, who was a hardworking man, just like my my own. My dad, again, he immigrated here in his his late forties or early fifties, and um, what it was like for him to cross the thresholds of the iron gates to come visit. What it was like for him every weekend when I was close and I was still fighting my cases in in the Los Angeles County Jail System, for him to have to get there a couple hours early, park his car go through processing, walk by individuals, going into a going into an environment where most at first glance think we are 
monsters where they think we are. Like, how could you have raised the monster you raised him to be? And that's not my truth. My dad didn't raise me to engage in the choices and decisions and the actions I was taking. My dad wasn't a liar. My dad wasn't a thief. My dad wasn't a dope dealer. Like, I didn't learn these things from him. What I learned is that my feelings of being unheard, unseen, and otherness in life pushed me towards finding individuals and gravitating towards individuals that I thought were truly there for me. The second you get those doors slammed, you truly see who are the people that support you. You know, in my healing process, part of the healing process that I embarked in is was through, you know, the 12-step program and the amends process and sitting down with people you may have caused harm or thought that have caused harm to you, finding your role and just having a conversation. You know, and one of those earlier conversations I've had, one of the first ones, the first people that I really started my amends process with was my family, my mother and my father. And the conversation with my dad, he really reminded me of something he always told me in my earlier life, in my earlier adolescent life because of the trouble that I was getting in, because of the, the, the court system and the juvenile jail system. And he reminded me of it so clearly as I sat there and shared the experiences of who his son really was. And it was an open conversation. It was the hardships. It was the ugliness. It was some of the darkness, a lot of the darkness that I experienced. I just wanted him to know who I truly was. And the one thing that really helped continue the pulling force of my change, which was, you know, my after having a conversation with my dad, my father sat there and he told me, you know, he's like, look, son, I don't care if you're a murderer, a thief, a liar, a drug dealer, any of the things or any of the parts of your story. I don't care. He, he said, I didn't raise you that way. And I also can't make the decisions and choices for you. But the one thing is, is you have my blood in your veins and you will always be my son. And for that, I will always love you. And that hit hard for me. That really hit hard for me. And exploring this episode, what does it mean to really take that statement as I look at my incarceration and what it meant for my family members? You know, it, it again, having them have to go through the ins and outs and become part of the environment to show up for their loved ones. You know, my family, I came from a family of support and they've always supported me. That's the truth. You know, my my traumas and my tragedies weren't something that happened because of the state of my family. There were things that happened to our family, you know, the outside world. And I don't hold any grudges or hardships or resentments toward the world because I know the world is the world, man. Just as my father told me, you know, I didn't teach you those decisions. I can't control what other people do, but I, the, the strength from my recovery, my healing process comes from controlling how I respond to those situations today. Not having the ones I wanted always around. It was easy at that first level of friction or resistance to run away. And that's not what this is today. This is really about what it was like for them. And I know it wasn't easy. I know it wasn't easy to conceptualize or 
to put your own lens on my experiences. That's why I feel that conversations create change when we're truly open enough to sit with the people that we have problems with, that when we start to engage in conversations, we actually see a lot more commonalities in, instead of the differences. If you're open-hearted, you you realize like most of the time our hardships come from the way we think or we believe the world should be instead of how the world actually is. It, and that world actually is, is filled with eight billion people as of recent statistics. And each of those individuals have free will to make choices and decisions that they see fit for their lives. And that was something my father reminded me when I was doing this amends process with him was the choices and decisions I make were choices and decisions that I thought were fit for my life, not that he thought were fit for for my life. So I was somebody that was really, you know, even blessed and supported through my incarceration. There was always one phone call I can make and I knew that I would get a response and those were my family members, you know. My my little brother who I put a lot of pressure on because of my choices. My little brother who I put a lot of pressure on because of my choices and decisions and the way that I was living in while I was incarcerated, you know, making him or asking him and it's not really an ask from your older sibling, it's usually being told how life was and this is what I had to learn even throughout my healing process that I needed to stop telling people how they should live their life or convincing or manipulating people to engage in the bullshit that I was engaging in. And it was uh it wasn't easy. It, this this learning this took years. It, it wasn't an overnight process. I do believe that anything worth having or worth working towards is never going to be an overnight process. We always look at people's lives and we assume that individuals have overnight success and that is just an unkind cut to all the work and the efforts that individuals take in their lives to get to the places that they want. You know, it takes hard work, it takes effort, it takes consistency, it takes truly evaluating why the result you're expecting you want backed by the reason why you want the result, but it should always, and I repeat, it should always equate to the values that drive you in life. And this wasn't something that I learned early on. You know, I was still very manipulative. I was still someone calling and asking for favors that were outside of the favors that I needed because the truth is I I had everything I need. I didn't have to still engage in the destruction or the darkness, the way that I was engaging in the destruction, the darkness while I was in prison. But I also realized that the way that my ego shows up today is is by people pleasing and taking on more than I need to take on. So the impact on it has on the family, the I couldn't truly imagine what they're going through, you know, especially like my younger brother, why I'm locked up and I'm still choosing to break laws while I'm locked up. I'm still thinking I'm, you know, the guy that I was, the guy that I was who eventually got locked up, I was still portraying this image of who I thought I needed to be around all these people and the pressure, you know, it, it eventually 
I believe it's part of my own brother's, you know, turn of direction and his own struggles that he had is, is what kind of example was I setting when the closeness that we had as a family, it was literally just me, my, my two brothers and my mother and father for a majority of my life. And that always left questions inside of my head, like shit, like none of our other family cares or is concerned or Maybe they don't like the fact that my father doesn't look like the rest of the family. Like there was all these questions always surrounding my head. And I, again, I was somebody that was supported. I was somebody that could always look for my quarterly package being maxed out to capacity. I wasn't someone that had to worry about money being put on my books, whether it was going to be the money that I was going to bring in or my mother just putting and making sure that I didn't go hungry. I didn't have to I didn't have to rely on the prison or the prison system to make sure that I was fed. Because if any of you guys uh ever discredit a meal on the outs, man, I, I, I strongly suggest you keep your life aligned with the environment that you're choosing to be part of. And not putting into perspective you know, we, I come from a family that's a, we'll get it done type of family. We'll figure it out instead of, instead of really being honest because it, the, these are the burdens. These are also the lessons. There's so much beauty in life when you frame it from the perspective of what life can teach you and not, not from the perspective that, or the expectation that your life has to be a certain way. Because we're all, we're all at one time just trying to keep up with the Joneses instead of being true to ourselves. And this is, again, like learning and, and, and going through why I showed up the way that I showed up. I firmly believe it's because of the way that I was oriented in my family, because of the, the struggles that I've seen my family go through. You know, my mom, again, she she would bust her ass to make sure that we didn't have to worry. And this was going on all the way until my adulthood. My mom still is the individual that shows up for us and tries to make it happen regardless of the strain or the pressure that it's going to put on her and my dad. And my role now is to realize and truly understand what they were going through, you know, both of them having a child that was raised and not raised, but he had a normal life up until he was 10 years old and seeing the impact of that and what the, what roadblocks that put in our life. It, it became difficult to feel normal. It, it became difficult to feel, to really like come together as a family because after my brother, that's when a lot of my troubles and struggles started in life. And, you know, I'm, I'm realizing recently just through communication and trying to be a better sibling and a better son that I still have a way because of my incarceration and that impact of only focusing on what the day has to offer and forgetting about all the other aspects of what it means to be me, which is, you know, not just my children, 
not just my wife, but it is my brothers and my mother and my father. So it's been healing recently to have some of those experiences and realizing how we can do better. Technology allows us to connect in a way that it we it was difficult when you know I grew up. I grew up in the in the time right before you know like internet was in every house right now we have wi-fi and if you know you don't have wi-fi it's it's like you're the oddball out because it's accessible everywhere and so it's um it's again like really this this episode is is really about them and what they went through and you know having them again show up like I couldn't imagine what it would feel like to walk through doors to go to a visiting area to be around guards who chose the life that they chose but to look at like how did how did these individuals that are sitting on the other side and the same uniforms become the individuals they become because we all believe that it's the houses that we grew up in, and I'm here to argue that's completely not my story. The house I grew up in didn't become the reason that I eventually became the man that I became. You know, the things that happened to my family it definitely resulted in it. The some of the experiences from the outside, like I said earlier, from the outside world, are part of my own struggles and making sense of those. But those lessons sometimes take years to learn, and my healing process, I realized like my family was always the support I needed. They just didn't have the language or speak the dialect of brokenness that I was operating in to be the help that I needed, but they were always the support that I needed. You know, I, I, I clearly remember them making a trek up to Northern California, seven and a half hours away from where we live in, in, in Los Angeles County to come up to visit for a couple hours and that was one of the hardest experiences that I had to realize not seeing them the way that I was able to see them when I was in the county my dad would come up all the time it 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 takes a toll when you remember somebody a certain way and then they come up and you know my dad I felt like my dad aged by years years and he would walk through those experiences as a man of integrity with his head held high, um, you know, the the emotions would always come. I, I, I wasn't someone that could hide it. When, when, when I would hear bad news or hear some of the struggles that they may have been going through, it was, I was always worked up. I've always been a sensitive individual and that's also why it was easy to become aggressive because that sensitivity turned to the the fight response and you know it's 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 again difficult to see again me as a father today if i had to go watch my child walk through some of the experiences that i have i think it it would be very difficult even knowing and having the lived experiences of incarceration it would definitely be difficult because you're watching a human being, a human spirit become locked up and caged as an animal. What what toll does that have? Especially for someone like my father and my mother who didn't have the experience of, of incarceration and jails and the lifestyle that I was living. That That's not part of their story. My mom had her own struggles 
and by all means, like I, I was just joking with my mother the other day. I was like, wow, it's like it almost skipped a generation. Your resilience showed up early. And my mom was honest. She's like, yeah, it showed up early, but I'm still never had the time to heal. And she's doing her own healing work in this stage of her life. And that's from but the family system that she grew up in was was very hectic. My mom, by all rights, should have been working in the field of drug and alcoholism and my mom, by all rights, had the story, almost the excuse why she should have been an alcoholic or a drug addict. And she made it work. You know, it's it's always uplifting to hear some of the goals and seeing her reach them, even though that there were struggles involved. And there's going to be struggles in everything we do in life. And that's the truth. And when you pay attention and you're shown enough love and support, which I always was in my household, and it took a long time to realize that my my learning and my speed of learning didn't catch up to what was really going on in my household because what I felt I was going through was a lot harsher and harder. And and in reality, my my mom was always someone that was there by even by the detriment of her own experiences and things that she had to go through to be there. And I I I, I commend them. I commend my family for sticking there and and being so supportive and always making sure that they were around when I needed them. They were the people that I contacted the most throughout my incarceration. They were the people that I never had to worry that I couldn't get contact to. They were the people that always made sure they would try to encourage me, even on the times that they knew I was going through something hard in there. And I, I couldn't vocalize that. I, you know, and it, it put a toll on them, financial toll, like, asking for money to be on the phone, these these phone calls that are, I'm so happy that California has finally caught up with the reality that phone calls from jail and prison institutions should be free, and that's finally coming into law very soon. But the toll that it puts on families, right? Like, I, like I've said throughout this, my family has been a family that hasn't struggled like most families and especially most individuals that are system impacted, they are coming from the true disenfranchised communities, the, the less financial status, the socioeconomic status of being poor or broke and not having the resources necessary to support their families. And a lot of these situations, just like in mine, you know, like what does it look like to be put in a prison that is 400 miles away from everybody and anyone, you know, and, and when we're talking about systems that are supposed to be rehabilitative, you know, most of them are not. They they don't put into context the the strain and the stress that they put on family members of those who are incarcerated. They don't put into context what it's going to be like to be involved and and help. Because that's what we need. We need to feel that we are walking back into something worth walking back into. We need to feel that we have a level of responsibility and commitment to something outside of the bullshit that got us locked up to. Because it's easy to go back to commit to a life of crime. It's easy to go back to commit to the hood. It's easy to go back to commit to you know, the fast life. Because the fast life, there's a fast reward. But the reward never is sustainable. And without putting into context what it's like for our loved ones, what it's like for people that don't have the lived experiences of the incarcerated individual. 
You know, most of what we understand about incarceration, we get it from TV, we get it from we get it from movies, we get it from media. You don't hear it until you hear somebody talking honestly, and that's what this episode is really about. It's about how are we going to be a better human beings for those that who have made mistakes. And I'm not someone that's arguing that jails and prisons don't have their place, but there's a way to perform restorative justice instead of continuing to line the pockets of what the prison industrial system is, which is big business. How do we step away from the business of incarceration and and start to look at human beings who have made a mistake and allow them to walk the path because I I got blessed. I truly believe I got blessed. After my incarceration, I came home. I had the family support like I always had. I had something to work towards. To The biggest thing that I worked towards was restoring what my last name means to me. You know, my father gave it to me and I'm proud. I'm proud of my last name. I'm proud of what what my last name means to me and all of the ancestors that have had to walk paths 10 times harder than the path I've ever had to walk in life. And I don't frame it in that way to say that my experiences are less than theirs, but what was it like to walk the the, the world a thousand years ago and what it, it takes each and every one of our ancestors to get us to this exact very moment in our lives. And Family's everything. We carry the bonds and we carry the struggles inside our DNA. And we also can be the individuals that carry the mark of healing inside of our DNA and transition our values as we begin to engage in our healing process. And those values were restored by learning and truly knowing what it means to be who I am inside of my family. You know, one of the, one of the, most uplifting things that has happened since my transition is you know me and my dad talk you know quite often not as much as I would like to and I'm I'm that's part of what this year is really about for me is to be more present inside of my extended family I have a family of my own but to really be present inside of my extended family and one of the one of the greatest things and it's not that I need it, but to hear it even now and to feel that love from my father and for him to always remind me that he's proud of me. It's the same thing that helped me start my journey of healing. It's the same thing that helps me continue it. It's not about needing that from him, but to hear that before I hang the phone call up with him every single time, he tells me he's proud of me. That gives me the belief that I have restored my last name and what it means to be who I am inside of my family. I, I'm dependable. I'm an honest man. I work hard. And I realize the hard work is always going to be better than the easy work of the fast life because there's sustainability. I am, I'm soon to be on my eighth year removed from prison and I haven't looked back. It's been, it's been great to be able to help and give back and work in some of these capacities that I've worked and it and it's all from a lived experience it's all from knowing my story it's all from knowing who I am and the work today is knowing who I am and the impact of incarceration so I continue I can continue to be a beacon of hope for those that need the light 
for those to see the way, for those to see the path. I don't feel better or less than nobody. I just know that on the path of healing, I might be a little bit further than some and, and I still might have a long way to go compared to others. But the only person that I ever try to compare myself to day, to each and every day is the person that I was the night before. And I know dreams are a possibility with the right plan of actions and the right people around us. I talk about family a lot and I have two levels of family. I got my family of origin who have given me my last name, all the ancestors that have walked through each and one of their each and every one of their struggles to get me to the place I am today. And I also have my family of understanding, which is as important to me as my family of origin, because my family of understanding are each and every one of those individuals that I get to choose to be in my life today. I don't have friends. That might sound crazy. I really don't have friends. I got family. Because at, at the core of who we are as human beings, we're one giant family, all the same species, one true race, the human race. We get so caught up in our belief systems that it's hard to see that we're all living, breathing creatures with thoughts, dreams, feelings, consciousness that can either help us be part of the problem or can help us be part of the solution. And today, the way that I get to be part of the solution is by by learning the things that were taught to me in my family. I told you earlier about my dad's level of integrity. That's the first thing that is the first value that I, I that sticks out to me in life is integrity. What it means to carry personal integrity. What it means to be a man of my word. The things that they tell you you have to be in these institutions but that hold no water. There's not a lot of individuals I've met in the system that are, are truly men of their words. They might be men of their words while you have all the eyes looking at you. But integrity for me is being able to be a man of my word when nobody's looking. Knowing that the smaller things and the small choices in life have to equal the rest of the values that I say are the main characteristic or qualities of life that I'm trying to be part of. And the, those last two is love and compassion. And my love is not a love of, you know, this fairy tale love. You know, my love is raw. And that means like my love will protect the things in my peace at all costs. Not in the same aggressive, violent manner, but if it, 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 they do, my love sets strong boundaries. My love lets me love you from afar. My love knows when it's not my space to get involved with these things in my life, as well as my compassion. My compassion allows me to not look at you and tell your story without ever speaking a word to you. My compassion allows me to be in rooms with executives or people from the street, and we can have a conversation about whatever. I don't have to be the smartest person in the room today, because the smartest person in the room has no room to learn. When I'm the smartest person in the room, it's time for me to change the room that I'm in, because my life and my healing and what my family has shown me is that it's important to continue to be the, the man that I am that is value-driven. I know that the creation of Mission Possible Life and, and the creation of this podcast is just to give you insights and to be more open with the stories of who I am and the stories of other people that are engaging in their own healing process and not only engaging in their own healing process that are becoming difference makers and healers and 
and can provide a level of experience, strength, hope, and inspiration to others because nobody is more special than others. It's just that we realize the ones that are making the difference, they realize who they are and they're not going to let anything get in the way of being that for themselves and for those that they help. And this, there's no lottery ticket. There's no lottery ticket in in my life or the life of somebody that you feel is successful because every experience or any even journey or objective that you set in life, there is a level of success in it. It just might not be the expected success you thought out when you set that goal, but there's always something to learn. There's always smaller successes in the big success. And one of my favorite things and what I've learned in life is there's always success and failure as long as you're willing to not give up. I know this is going to find those that need to hear this. I know that this can help because when mental walls become physical ones, we all have the capability of breaking those down and freeing ourselves. And it starts with knowing who you are and it ends with living the values each and every day and realizing that power is not something to be protected. True power comes from our ability to give it away. True power comes from not obsessing or trying to protect something that you think needs protection. Because when you protect the power that you think you have, that power is actually controlling you. When you learn to give it away and know that each and every individual is, is, is able to transition that power from their own vantage point. That's what life is about to me. Again, I know this is going to find you. And if nobody told you today from the bottom of my heart, I sincerely love each and every one of you. If you would like to connect, if you would like to understand how to get clear on your values, or if you would like support please reach out to me. I have a great mission statement exercise that I would like to um, give to everyone. I'm working on getting it up as on my website, but please check out the website. I I do offer free consultations. I do offer support to those that need it. If you've been inspired by some of the work that I've done and you you need me out there to help in any way that I can help, please, please reach out to me because I'm here for that. Um, Connect with me on Instagram, any of the social media sites. I love, I talk back. Let's, let's uh, figure out life together because that's my, that's, that's who I am as a, as a individual. It's about being an instrument of change in my life and the life of those struggling, being a beacon of hope for those that don't see the light. So once again, if nobody told you today from the bottom of my heart, I sincerely love you. I have a really great episode coming up working with another individual in the space and they're as a healer, as someone that gives back and as a life coach. And she has a, a, a wild and, and insightful and beautiful story to share with you guys. And that's uh, I'll be recording that next week with her. So I'm really excited about this year. Focus on the results, the way that you get there. The result plus the reason why should always equal your values. All right. I'm out, everyone. Love y'all.